Hello and welcome to the Zionix podcast. This is episode six. I'm your host, Ben Caruso. And uh, today, my guest happens to be a good friend of mine, Aunt D. Um, those in the music industry know when you call someone a gun for hire, they are basically a very talented musician that will obviously contract for the bands. Now, the band that Ant currently um, works with um, and has worked for for some time is um, the famous Australian rock band, The Choir Boys, um, which their lead singer is Mark Gable. Is that correct? That's it, yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody knows their song songs. Uh, Run to Paradise is obviously their number one, Bring It Home. Is, would that be correct? Pretty well, yeah. yeah. But without further ado, um, there is another reason um, why we've got Ant in today. And um, he's, he does have a fascinating story and, and it all feeds back into his passion for music and where that passion started from. Um, so without further ado, um, Ant, welcome to the podcast. I'll give you another cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers we have to, had a few of these. Cheers to heaps <laughs> normal tonight. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so let me just start off. So people that listen to this podcast, yep. they know that obviously there's a reason why I'm doing it and why I'm passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And obviously over time, um, I've gotten to know you and it, and I'll just stay from the top. I don't like when I started doing this, remember I was telling you like people were coming forward with great stories and great, yep. um, which just were like, wow, like people are out there killing it mm -hmm. and here I am thinking I was the only one, but no, I'm on a serious note. Your story was, um, you know, and I'm not sure whether the podcast inspired you to tell me mm -hmm. or because it was relatively quick of us knowing each other where you felt comfortable yeah, letting me know that story. So I think we, we just hit it off out in the street, didn't we? Pretty much. <laughs> um, I was getting into my car. Hey, gone. So yeah, he's this. So, yeah. Oh man, I'm the I'm the fellow that works out the front. I'm the noisy guy out the front. Yeah, and then <laughs> we just sort of started chatting away, and you found out I was doing a podcast. You had to listen to it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm rambling on about sort of that part of it. So let's just take a dive straight into like what your condition is, sure, um, and how that sort of gave you that, you know, you, you got that passion for music that so many people out there that have got, and there's always a reason mm -hmm. where that comes from. So yeah. I'll let you take the floor and explain sort of where that come from and, and what was the driving force. Yeah, of course. Um, so I think to kind of tie it all together um, at a high level, like a, a lot of a lot of musos or a lot of people who are passionate or what I like to say obsessive um, about music is um, you know they they they're born not born with it sorry they they're born into like a family where it already kind of pre-exists right so they either like a parent or or family or you know they start doing lessons but for myself I didn't find music until I was older. Yep. So Around, you're saying that you found it sort of on your own? On my own, there was yeah. No parents sort of saying. That's right. Well, look, I grew up with a healthy dose of Madonna and ABBA and, you know, long hair, social distortion. <laughs> like, what? How did that happen? <laughs> anyway, um, 
so when I was 14, uh, around 13, 14, I don't remember exactly, but basically as a result of the condition and just a lot of the downtime that I was experiencing, um, I guess, adapting to, to that change and the surgeries and stuff like that, um, I just had a hell of a lot of time as yeah. a teenager. And so you're sitting around with your feet up. Pretty well. I want to go out and play with my mates and absolutely bike jumps and all that stuff, but... Well, all of that had to go. Yeah. Like, I mean, prior to that, I was, yeah. you know, we grew up in the era of pop punk, yep. right? So Blink-182 yep. and, and skateboarding, that was our life. Yeah. I'm right? 100%. Right? But all of a sudden, like, that had to stop. So, when you know, when you're a teenager, you need something, um, mm. something to identify with. Mm -hmm. and, and music became my thing. But I do, like, now in my early 30s, bring that back to the condition, which is... Skiffy. And I know a little bit about it. Yep. Um, so do you want to explain basically um, the first sign and then exactly what it is? Okay. So first sign was just some dull aches, like a dull pulsating ache from my hip okay. radiating down through my femur and kind of, you know, further up in that yep. lower back area but like i'm a teenager as i just said like i'm you know you're running around with your friends you're jumping off this you're skateboarding down this you don't think too much of just a dull ache right um but then progressively like it just got not worse but just it, just, it escalated to a point where one morning mum had come upstairs to wake me up, you know, get ready for school, get up. And, you know, I sat up, turned to the side of the bed, went to stand up and just fell over. And mum had come upstairs. She's like, what are you doing? Like, get up. you got to go to school. And I'm like, do you recall, was it just like, did you recall weakness or was it just, you just. I just could not bear weight. Okay. My hip, as we know now, I just said, no, there okay. you go, man. So. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, you know, mum thought I was taking the piss as you do when you're 14 years old, looking for any excuse to get out of school. I've done worse. Yeah, of course. Um, anyway, I'm just like, mum, like I, I can't, I can't stand. And like, eventually like it came good. I just, obviously I'd slept weird that night, but anyway, we went to the doctor, kind of went through the symptoms and he wasn't too fussed about it. Like he's just like, oh, again, you're just a kid doing stupid teenage things, so you just have a sore leg. Yeah, you, know? you bruised it all. Yeah, exactly. But he's like, also. you know, doctor being a doctor, doing his job, go and get some x-rays. So we went down into Fairfield that day, got the x-rays, and I think back then it was still in the days we had to wait two or three days, right? Okay. Pick up the x-rays, go back to the doctor. As soon as he looked at it, he said, you need to go to a um, an orthopedic specialist as soon as possible. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. So we went to... Which would be very scary for... For my mum and mom. my dad. Yeah. For, for me, I'm a teenager. I'd yeah. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, went to see the orthopedics um, specialist and, and he's done his own x-rays as well. And he was, he was alarmed to the point where he said, this is actually like a medical emergency and this needs to be dealt with immediately. Wow. Yeah. So within two days, I was in hospital. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of the story of it. So what is it? Um, 
Yeah, basically. Just, yeah. yeah. Well, as you asked. For the listeners? Um, yeah, for the listeners too. So what it is, is basically my, my femur has slipped out of my hip, which, you know, when it's described like that, it doesn't sound like anything other than a dislocation, right? Yeah. But it actually comes down to some poor genetics, mm. but also timing. So just back on, so obviously a dislocation, you pop the socket exactly. out of, but what, what, what is the difference? Like it, yeah. what did they, how did that, what did they explain that to you? So, and I'm, I'm not going to be saying this scientifically accurate, but from my understanding back then, and even with the surgeries that I've had throughout the years as well, the, the starting point for the condition is, as I just said, it's a slip but it's also timing. So it's just bad fucking timing. Like mm. When you're a teenager and you're growing, or even when you're a kid and you're growing, your growth plates, which you have in between yep. all your bones or your bone plates, whatever they're called, um, they generally are sticky to hold, keep the bones in contact, I guess, right? So let's say... And is in, that because they're all growing at different speeds or like as you... That's well, no, I, I, I believe that normally a growth plate is that's just the um, the way it's made up physically, it's just like a sticky, it should be sticky, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're growing, your growth plates actually go like jelly to allow for the growth, but in that period, and then they, they go sticky again. So once the bones grow, they mm. become sticky again, and on you go. But in my case here, what's happened is, again, because of poor genetics of the growth plate initially, in a growth spurt, my femur has slipped, but then the growth plates have gone sticky again and that femur is now misaligned. Okay. So the immediate treatment for that is because, you know, at a, like the um, you know, worst case scenario, as I was experiencing... When I tried to stand up that morning, like just out of misalignment of my hip, you're not going to be able to do it. So the immediate treatment for that is to pin it. So okay. that first surgery I had was one screw going through the femur back up into my hip. Oh, that... yeah. Wow. But that was it. I mean, it was, for lack of a better term, it was a life sentence. So they said once that that is has happened to that area, that joint will now never be the same. So again, between the ages of 14 and say 22, I've had maybe four or five other surgeries just to correct pain, um, to try and realign the femoral head to try and get it back into the hip joint. So that was a full osteotomy. So my leg was actually broken. Um, well, when I say broken, like cut in half. Wow. up here at the top and they've, you know, tried to manipulate that in such a way to bring it back around and then it's plated. But then, you know, mid twenties when you're having a good time, I lost a lot of weight. Um, so those plates and all those pins that I had were causing me a lot of pain. So they then came out. Okay. And then I think just as a result of, I guess the, I guess the trauma to the muscle trying to keep up with a, a bad joints, um, the muscle started to, to die as well in my early 20s. So they also did, I don't 
recall exactly what they did at that time, but another surgery to basically correct that. Okay. Yeah. So, how many surgeries have you had all up? I'm going to say five. Five. Yeah. To correct it. Yeah. Okay. But it's not corrected. <laughs> Fix the try. It just continuously to... causes problem after problem. Exactly. Just to try and tide me over to the next time. And what's and when will the next time be? Do you know? It's now. Now. Yeah. I'm this year. I've started to feel it again. Oh, really? So I actually probably need to go and see a specialist again. Okay. Because I believe what they had done up to that point with the whole shaping of the hip joint was they told me they'd bought me 10 to 20 years before the femoral head would start grinding against okay. the hip. Um, I'm feeling that now. Okay. Yeah. So what about what about a hip replacement? That's what I think is going to be on the cards next. So, but wouldn't a hip replace, because they replace basically everything. everything. Yeah. So would that alleviate... The ongoing stuff or no? I think so. Okay. I'm not too sure because it's it's been a while now since okay. I have um, had an interaction because since the, the last few corrective surgeries in my early 20s, I've been able to manage um, pretty normally. But I mean, like when I say that, like, I mean, I still can't run. I still can't play sports. Um, you know, it hurts to go up and down or jump up and down and that kind of thing. So it's still very limiting. Hmm. Um, but yeah, look, I think I'm not too sure. Everybody says hip replacements are, you know, not what they were years and years ago. So no, we'll find I, out. I know, um, I know my old man had one, um, actually a couple of stories. My dad had one and like, he just he couldn't walk. Yeah. Like just went on him getting a bit older now. It's his birthday today. Happy birthday, Dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they just do, so in the old days, they used to cut like through all the muscle and everything. Mm. It was like a two to three month rehab sort yeah. of thing. But they just do it um, keyhole now. Yeah. So they just basically take a 3D image of your hip. Yeah. Um, How do they fit a hip joint through a keyhole? They just get it in there. <laughs> yeah. They just get it in there. And um, my dad was standing up the next day. Oh, wow. And walking with a frame yep. up and down the hallway. And how does he go now? Yeah, fine. Yeah? Just probably the other one. That's probably stronger than the other yeah. one. Um, but another lady um, that I know, I, I won't mention her name or anything like that, but I saw her at a sporting event. She was like the manager. She organized it all. And um, she said, I'm going in for like the replacement. Mm-hmm. And she comes back. I've seen her like three weeks later. I'm like, I thought you were going for a nerve replacement. She goes, oh, I've had it. Right. I was like, wow, that's so cool. I thought it would be months. Like, And she said, oh, no, they just take a 3D scan of your knee. Do it on a 3D printer. Science. Open you up. Yeah. It's basically like a fit straight in. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you don't want to have that. No, not at all. Because it might stop you doing other things further. That's Does right. that make sense? Because I, I don't know. Like, do you reckon that would be the case? I don't... Look, I, I think because it was... All of this was explained to me, again, in those earlier years where, mm-hmm. like, we were told it's it's going to be uh, limiting. Um, 
you know, you won't be able to do X, Y, Z and you w will eventually need this, 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 and, it, you know, add a head, a hip replacement. But like back then and not knowing about the technology now, I'm not too sure if it's any different, but they do basically say like an artificial or prosthetic hip is never going to be as strong as bone. Okay. So potentially they wear out as well. Yeah. Okay. So and you're, at your age, getting it so young, you'd be... Well, that's why they tried to keep buying okay. me time because they said, if we give you a hip replacement at 18 years old, by the time you're 40, you need another one. And okay. by the time you're 60, you need another one. Yep. And the technology, as you said, um, wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been a nice outlook for you getting three hip replacements in four decades. Yeah. And I, yeah, of course. Yeah. I was going to say okay. something cheeky then. Well, what were you going to say? I was going to say it's not really sexy telling telling girls at 18 years old that you've had a hip replacement either, right? Yeah, true. <laughs> true. But, oh well. So, a lot of surgeries when you're young. Want to be out skateboarding, listening to Blink-182. Yeah. So let's get on to something, I suppose, the positive side of it. Well, that's um, it. That was the silver lining. The silver lining and that's your love of music. Yeah. Specifically the guitar. So explain to me. Look, I think, I know I said earlier, like, you know, sometimes you're, you're born into the family. Like I know now after a lot of, you know, I'm in my thirties now, lots of self-discovery has occurred. I'm like, there was, music was always in me from the start. And I understand that now, but I needed that time when I was a teenager to uncover it and really kind of bring it to light. Otherwise, who knows what I would have been. Probably would have had short hair, Ben. <laughs> or no hair. Or none. <laughs> no. Um, so, why the guitar? Do you remember ever watching a movie called La Bamba? Yes. With, oh, what's yes. his name? Lou Diamond something? Yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips. That's it. That movie, man. I don't know how I know that. <laughs> because our parents would have made us watch it when we were kids. I sang that at a wedding once. La Bamba? Yeah. Yeah, nice. I was about five. Oh, mate, do you have footage? Oh, there's footage. There's footage, but... You're never going to show me, are you? <laughs> the person who has it will probably will now. But no, I was good. But no, yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips, yeah. Anyway, that's for me. Like, I've discovered this later in life, that it was that movie that I watched obsessively as a child. Really? Yeah, on VHS or whatever we had back then. Okay, I didn't expect this to go there. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I tried to figure it out because people are like, fuck, man, you, you're you a nut job. Like you, like I said, you people say passion, I say obsession. Like it is, bro, Marshall Lamp came to the office today. It'll never stop. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, look, when I thought about it, I'm like, that was it. It was that movie with all the guitars, all the singing, all the rock and roll. Yeah. It just went from the screen into my body and, and that was it. Well, um, the movie La Bamba, who's the actual artist? It's Richie Valance. Richie Valance. Is yeah. it Richie Valance? Richie Valance. So you got Brian, Brian Setzer, he plays Eddie Cochran. Brian Setzer, are you talking about? He, he's a guitar player from Stray Cats. Yeah. yeah, he plays Eddie Cochran in that movie. Oh, really? But like Buddy Holly's in that movie, which is Marshall Crenshaw. He's a, another artist and... Like just all those scenes, whenever they'd come on, like as a kid, I'd be like, fuck. Like, because they're, 
that's like that was the plane crash. That's right. They all yeah. went down in the plane crash. The day the music died. Yeah. yeah. Um, American Pie. Exactly. That's what that's about. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes. So. Bit of trivia. Yeah. 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 I'm full of full of that when it comes to music. Yeah. Um. So yeah, look, I think I had that first surgery, the the pin, which was you know the emergency surgery, and I remember it was February because I had just been back at school for like a week and I had the rest of the term off because back like crutches. I used to catch a train to school. I, my school was too far away. My parents were like, it's not going to work. Stay home. Homeschooled for a bit, but teenage boy homeschooling. Mm. You'll find a lot of things to distract yourself with. Listeners, Mm-mm. not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> um, um, okay. So I had a guitar. I bought a guitar. When I was, you start high school. What is it? What big, type of guitar? It was a Squire Bullet Strat. Electric. Electric, yeah. 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 Actually, I don't play much acoustic. Um, no. Yeah. We'll talk like about those. reasons why later if you okay, want. Okay, you just like <laughs> those big power chords, don't you? Yeah, I'm, again, volume obsessed. Yeah, cool. Um, but I'll explain that. I've self-discovered the reason behind that as well later on. Um, so anyway... Had the guitar and I'm like, well, fuck, you know, like you, you buy shit when you're a kid and you're like, yeah, I want to be a surfboarder. I want to be this. I want to be that. So I, I had had a guitar because again, obviously I had a, like a like or something towards it based off what I just told you. But teenage years, you go with the crowd, everybody's skateboarding, listening to punk rock. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. But then all of a sudden I'm home and this guitar's there and I'm like, let's do this. And Look at me now. But was that just like, um, did you just pick that guitar because you liked it or did you buy that guitar because someone else played it um, or you heard a song that had it in it? Like, were you, I suppose, were you that astute, astute with like I, who was playing what? Um, yeah. So, I don't know if I've ever told you. I've got an older brother. Okay. Did you know that? No, I didn't. No, you do. Um, and when we, when I had started high school, year seven, I wanted to play the drums. Okay. Okay. But then my brother wanted to play the drums as well. And I said, why would we both play drums? I would just buy a guitar. I bought a guitar or my parents bought me a guitar Mm. um, and just did nothing with it. Okay. So, yeah, look, I think it was just that when I started high school, you know, you kind of, I don't don't know what school's like now, but back then, like you, you picked... You picked your niche or you picked your, your subculture. Mm. It's very, I don't know how far back that went, but to me, that's early 2000s. You're either sports, punk rock, you know, into schoolwork. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was sports for me. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I do envy people that are able to like, because I've tried to play guitar yeah. a few times. Um, I dabble a little bit. Not so much lately, but I dabble a little bit in like keyboard, electro, yeah, nice. trying to music theory. I got right into that. Um, and then all this sort of came about, wanted to try a few different things, but I definitely will pick it back up again. Um, but yeah, guitar, I just, this wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like I tried, I don't get it. I don't get how it just doesn't make sense to me. So you said you had this guitar, you didn't. You didn't um, get deep into it 
straight away, but you, um, now I've had this surgery. Yep. I've got the time. Past the time. Yep. Let's, let's do something. Which, which regardless, it, it's still, I know that's happened, but it's still a massive effort to want to learn an instrument and apply yourself, even though you wanted to be out with your mates skateboarding and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, you know, it's still a, a big step for someone to sit there and apply themselves to an instrument mm-hmm. as difficult as the guitar. I think everyone might look at the guitar as like, oh, it's what everyone wants to play because like Surely. Yeah. everyone that's up on stage, but it, there's so it's just as many kids who have picked it up and went, I don't understand this. Yeah. So I think it's um, credit to you. Thank you. To learn an instrument um, as you as you do, as you know how to play guitar. Um, I think, yeah, but I think the story is good. So you're sitting at home. What was the first song you tried to learn? Do you remember? I reckon back then it was Nirvana. Yeah, what year was this? Two thousand and four. Two thousand and four. So Nirvana were long done. Yeah, but I don't know. It's yeah, just, that, that just... album stuck around for a while. Oh, shit, yeah, still around now. Yeah, I'd listen to it still now. Some of the songs. I mean, yeah, yeah, they were good. Look, I think my early early guitar bits and pieces were, like I said, I my teenage years was pop punk, so Blink, Green Day. Mm. All that stuff, right? So that's the type of stuff that I was playing initially. I'm probably more early Green Day. I love Green Day. Probably more Green Day. Green Day, one of my top three favorite bands. People are always shocked. I'm like, and then I have to explain, like I'm explaining now. I'm like, I think, I think I present as the the classic rock guy, and I love classic rock, but my foundations are punk pop. Yeah, uh, pop punk. So. That's that's where that's where my journey started. Yeah. So when, when I tell people Green Day, one of my top favorite bands, are like, no, mm. I'm like, yeah. Well, just to stay on that topic for a little bit, yeah. Because um, I knew we'd end up talking about music, yeah, of course. Um, we went Nirvana, Blink, Green Day, Pop Punk. Okay, what was I going to say? Oh, we're growing up. Um, three, uh, th- you know, pop punk three piece band. That's Drummer, it. two guitars, one's a bass. Yep, that's it. Um, was the living end, the Aussie living band, end, right? Yes, yes. I think I didn't see them. I, I, I just, um, I don't know. It just seemed to passing by. I was probably really listening to other music, but. I knew they were mm-hmm. like Prisoner of Society was like just a classic song, and then I've seen them later in life. Mm-hmm. Probably the first time was probably ten years ago. Okay. And talk about a guitar player; he's probably <sighs> he's a my favourite. Yeah. Um, in terms of just once you start to, you know, I've seen a few, um, but just to sing and play guitar at the same time—that's that's pretty awesome, and mm-hmm. they've. Opened up for a couple of bands I saw they opened, but then I saw them on their own mm-hmm. and they were just, I took my dad. Yeah. Dad didn't know who they were. And now all. he knows who they are. Yeah. And I said, 
okay, Dad, like, I know we're here to see this such and such band. Yeah. I said, but these guys will steal the show. And he's like, really? And then within four or five songs, he was like, how good's that guy on guitar? And I'm like, yeah, I know. They're bloody unbelievable. Um, Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So living in, I wish that that was... Look back I knew they in were, but days. they were. I would have went and seen them every day of the week. Yeah, well, they were one band that I used to go and see every every day of the week, basically. So as our parents used to tell us, you know, like oh fuck, you know, growing up in Sydney back in the day, you'd go see a band any night of the week. Back in those days, we had we had local punk, which was Living End, Grinspoon, Kiss Grins, Chasey. Yeah. Um, so every, I was at the Holden every other week yeah. seeing those guys. And Living End, I actually think, I'm not too sure how many times I've seen them, but they're definitely the band that I've seen the li- live the most. Yeah. And I think, as my opinion, they're flop- faultless every time. 100%, yeah. Yeah. Always on, on point. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty cool. That's awesome. But um, so you've got your, let's go back to your strat. Yep. So explain to people what a strat is because they might not know. Picturing guitar in your head, and that's probably it, right? <laughs> a Strat is a Stratocaster. It is the most yep. common guitar, yep. right? Um, generally a solid color with a white piece of plastic in the middle. Yep. Chunk of wood bolted onto the other side of it, and that's it. And who are some, well, most big bands use multiple guitars, but yep. who's like... Who uses a Strat? Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, Eric Clapton there Jimi go. Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix, guitar player from the band you just saw the other night. Oh yeah, yep. Uh, John, John Frusciante, yeah, yep. from the Chili Peppers. He's yeah. a strap player. Yep. I am not a strap player. Mossy. Oh yes, Mossy, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's a strap player too. So, um, actually, Richie Blackmore. Okay. Deep Purple. Deep Purple. Yep. Um, he recently inspired me to buy a Strat mm-hmm. because I have a few Strats, but. Sometimes I just I don't know I go on I go on a trip, and I was on a massive deep purple trip a couple of years ago. So I'm like, fuck! I just want to yep. be Richie Blackmore. Yeah, didn't work out for me, Ben. Mm. He's in a world of his own. Yeah, and just okay. the type of sound. Sorry, Mossy makes me think of Richie Blackmore because same setup: Stratocaster, Marshall, Marshall being the amp, right? Yeah. Jimi Hendrix also did the same thing, but earlier Marshalls. Different story, but these guys, Mossy, Blackmore, probably others I can't think of. Like, fuck, every time I plug a strat into a Marshall, it's just brittle and ice picky, treble harsh, and I just I hate it. But then I want to be like Richie Blackmore, so and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna get my strat and put it into a Marshall, and it never works for me. <laughs> yeah, really. Maybe you're just being critical of yourself. I think so. Yeah, if they. That guy's kind of like one. Of, he's obviously an influence. Yeah, we mentioned Hendrix. Yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of people that are like, if I watch interviews with famous, famous guitarists in big bands, they're like Jimi yeah. Hendrix. Oh yeah, because he was just such a um, revolutionary. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know earlier I had some technical difficulties with stuff stuff mm-hmm. here that they were doing all those sounds on a, you know, um, obviously the Beatles and all those 
stones they all came before them but he was doing mm -hmm. something that was revolutionary yeah um or led zeppelin oh, yeah. you hear a sound or something on the guitar or a sound in they were doing that like mm -hmm. literally in the studio there was no tech like computer program doing a sound that they, no bit processing no. yeah they wanted like a yeah my point is is i'm not explaining it as good as you would but what yeah. i'm saying is that they were pioneers they were doing things that, yeah. um, you know, um, that were done for the first time, mm -hmm. you know, as the technology improved. And music's the same now. Mm -hmm. It's just from a guitar perspective. Yeah. Um, rock and roll band perspective. It was all... Um, so we've got a few. We've got Blackmore from um, Deep, Deep Purple. Purple. Yeah. Um, we've got the La Bamba movie. So that's, well, that's where it all began. But that's way back. Like that's yeah. a biopic movie about Richie Valens. People that were touring in the fifties. Yeah, yeah. Had a plane crash and yeah. Um, and then obviously the song, the the um, which was the big bopper. That's right. Hello, was, baby. I don't know. Hello, baby. Yeah, that yeah. guy. <laughs> and they all died in the one plane that's crash. Right, yeah. yeah, and then it was Buddy the, Holly as well. Buddy Holly, yeah. Yeah. Which was Peggy Sue. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that's, yeah, it's just so your, your music, your influence. So did you go back and sort of revisit what those guys were doing, Buddy Holly and all them, or? I've, I've done my, my 50s catalogue. Yeah. Um, but I think... Yeah, look, I, I still jam along to the Brian Setzer version of Eddie Cochran, okay. um, Summertime Blues. Summertime Blues, From yeah. that movie. That's what I mean. That, that movie, Ben, I can't explain it to you. Like, it, it is inside me. Yeah, but <laughs> like, Brian Setzer. Yeah. Is it Setzer? I think Setzer, yeah. Setzer. Like, he's not a bad guitar player himself. No, by, by no means. If we didn't have him, we wouldn't have Chris Cheney from the, from the Living End. I'm glad you said that. I was just about, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Like they are basically, he's basically emulated him. 100%. Like yeah. found that, even the guitar they play. Yeah, is the, um, the Gretsch. The Gretsch, yeah. Is it Penguin? I don't know if they play the Penguin or is it the... Uh, Chris plays the White Falcon. The Falcon, okay. Uh, Brian Setzer plays a 6120. Okay. Or a 6120. Is there much difference in those? Hollow have, body, non-hollow. I have a 6120. Yeah. To me, they're both the same. They're both chunky, hollow bodies, but I've never owned a White Falcon. I think the White Falcon's a bit bigger. Okay. So it might be a bit yep. warmer or a bit beefier. I don't know. And I think it's funny because in my, like, obviously I've seen, um, we spoke about Chisel. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw them. So the story I was telling you about the Living End. So the Living End opened for, I think it might have been. I know they did the Rolling Stones. Yeah, but they also did Chisel as well. Chisel, yeah. So I saw. So your guitar is the Strat, right? So Mossy plays that every mm -hmm. time I'd seen Chisel before that. It was Strat, Strat, Strat. That's yep. all he played because he's doing not just lead guitar, he's doing rhythm guitar. Mm -hmm. And then I seen Chisel play about a year later and a lot of the songs like um, 
Rossi had a falcon. Oh, really? So he's watched him play. And I'm not saying that Mossy doesn't, I don't know what he does in his, I don't know who he is, but if he does that in his own time, but I mean, mm-hmm. I actually seen him, oh, we're doing a rockabilly song. Wax that on, yeah. Got the big white guitar out and I'm like, that sounds, that song sounds totally different now. Yeah. Because he's got that different guitar and, um, but anyway, it all sort of, music's good like that, all ties in, all got stories, but that's a true story I saw. I was yeah. like. He's stolen that from Chris Channing. Absolutely. He's stolen that for sure. Um, but anyway, what... So I guess we've sort of gone into Aussie rock. Mm-hmm. So we're leading down the track of, you know, good Aussie bands. Mm-hmm. Um, had this... For me, Australian rock is the best. Yeah. I'm very biased when it comes to that. Um in terms of sort of your influences, all those bands that came before us or before mm-hmm. you, they had all, like they lived that sort of stuff. They're not looking in retrospect. They sort of lived through Deep Purple. They lived through Led Zeppelin and they, and The Doors and not sure if they'd seen, because they were like a California band, but mm-hmm. all those Aussie bands, whether it be Minotto, Chisel, Inexcess, um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Choir Boys, um, all those bands like they that was their influence. Yeah, and we kind of got um, like even ACDC, like the Young Brothers and their older brother George, and mm-hmm. um, which I yeah I think you know that was Easy Beats and all That's that, right. and that all that influence was sort of in our rock and roll. Yeah, Aussie rock and roll. So all that period of, um, yeah, and as you said, you can see him. You know, it was before my time even, mm-hmm. but or our time. But their in their influences were something because their music resonated. Yeah, you know, Angels, another good band. Um, you know, um, like even Rose Tattoo. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, I mean they are awesome. Rose Tattoo. Yeah. Probably don't get enough cred. I think they scare a lot of people. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Um, obviously didn't have the, the same level of commercial success as the Angels, Choir Boys and stuff like that, but huge cult following. Mm. Like, I mean, Rose Tattoo are still touring in Europe, mm-hmm. whereas the Angels and Choir Boys are probably limited to Australia. Yep. Um, but like I said, different. Horses, of course, it's different crowds. Mm. Yeah. But also Rose Tattoo are incredibly, incredibly loud. Mm-hmm. So I, don't, I just don't know yep. if people are up for that. Yeah. But I've kind of discovered a lot of that stuff later too. Okay. Like um, sort of, like you know the hits. Oh, but then when you start listening to, like I've been listening to the Choir Boys all week. Yeah, nice. And, um, you know... um. And they've got four, five, six songs. So you, you've got Run to Paradise. That's a great song. That's one of those songs where you're like, any band would have said, I'll take that. Oh, shit, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's a good song. Um, I remember going to Queensland with friends, playing it in the car on the way up, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those great songs. But then their back catalogue, you start to listen to that and you're like, 
Well, they're really good, eh? Like they, oh, shit, yeah. they're fantastic. Did you listen to much of the the first album? No, I just went to the. Um, I listened to the Essentials. Okay, yeah, nice. So it picks out. I'm not sure what the first album was, but I know, um, like Friday Night. That's a really nice song. I yeah. like that. Um, you know, um, obviously Run to Paradise, and then um, oh, what's it's another real popular one of theirs. I can't remember. The boys, one. probably that one. Boys will boys be, will boys. be boys, yeah. yeah. That song, yeah. You listen to that, and you go, "I've heard that song, yeah, everywhere, yeah." Like that's a classic, you know. And then you say, for me, it's like, um, you know, wow, they had that song too, but it gets so not, it gets dwarfed by Right of Paradise, yeah, yeah. That's probably better. Oh, you reckon? Maybe, yeah. I think so. It's got its got its little nuances in it that I like. Maybe I'm just biased, but I, th- I think all the songs are pretty special. Yep. Um, but yeah, look, I know what you're saying. I think there's there's definitely different different songs during the set will draw a different reaction from the crowd. So boys will be boys, like like you said. People people know it. People definitely know it. Like the fans know it for sure. Yeah. But people are like, hang on a second, I, I know this song, so they just get into it anyway. Yeah. And like Mark's a scream, like he'll take the piss and say, you know, girls will be girls, boys will be girls. And people just think it's hilarious. But then obviously, you know, he'll start playing Run to Paradise. And every single time, like if, if I'm up there with them, you've, you've had a crowd in front of you all night, but he starts playing those chords, you blink your eyes and that crowd just multiplies. And people just drop from the roof. Because mm. like, fucking this song, like, mm. they love it. So, so every everybody has some saying like everybody comes for that because yeah. everybody everybody knows everybody that knows song. it and they know yeah. they know it. Yeah. Whereas like I'm, I think that's what I was trying to say. Sorry, is boys will be boys is different because it's there. Like it does get airplay. I think it may have been in some ads and commercials and stuff like that in the past. So people definitely know it. Yeah. But they just don't know they know it. So just stay on this topic, but just yeah. backtrack. Um, the um. So putting a set list together. So obviously, <laughs> what goes into a set list? Because we saw, I saw the Chili Peppers the other day. I'm glad you asked this question because nobody I, ever believes me. I um, I was quite disappointed when I I've left heard that, that gig. Yeah, because I'm like, I didn't, but I didn't hear three of their Run to Paradises. But then, I had a conversation with my cousin, and he's Chili Peppers mad. Mm-hmm. Seen like seven or six or seven. Did he say six? Six times, I think. Let's just say six. And he said, yeah. He goes, but they played so many songs that I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. Like he said, I've seen them five times previous. They didn't do Soul to Squeeze. Right. First time he's heard it. And because they didn't do Under the Bridge. No way. Didn't do Under the Bridge. And I thought, Encore, boom, oh, here we go. They're going to yeah. do. They did a lot of good songs. But they didn't do it. And I was like, that's going to leave a lot of people disappointed because that might be the only song they know. Yeah. And they're just coming along for the experience. But I I loved And then I was disappointed. I was. I left. So a week later, um, this is when we had this conversation. And um, I said to him, they, yeah, but they should have played for another half an hour. He goes, yeah, but that's not what they do. Mm-hmm. They will play their set, but they will play 
what they feel like. Um, but he said, did you notice that they played a song called um, Sir Psycho Sexy? And I said, no. So that was the sec- that was the first encore song. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I said, that was that real mad funky song, blah, blah, blah. I've heard it before because I've got that album. Mm-hmm. And he said, I've never, ever, ever heard them play that before. Right. Ever. So I was like, it kind of changed my mind where I kind of went, I think I saw something special the other night, but was too naive or too... Disheartened. Probably not educated enough on their live gigs to sort of appreciate that. Now I'd be like, hey, I heard them play that once. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, So anyway, back to the set list, because that seems like how... That would have went down. That would have been, I would imagine, no, we're not playing it. Ooh, like, you know, that would have been. Do you mean Ronda Paradise? No, I mean like or just doing Under the Bridge. Under the Bridge, yeah. Look, I, I don't to... think it was a, a conscious decision where they've said, no, fuck these Aussies, whatever they have. Americans say Aussies. I think they just probably didn't think about it. Like, we as consumers of the music, Unless you're a diehard fan, like you do, you've got your top three to five favorite songs. Whereas I think the artist is very consciously aware of their entire catalog. They don't typically forget about songs. Um, so they would just play what they feel might fit the situation mm-hmm. and not really know. Like I'm thinking Under the Bridge, what album was that on? Blood Sugar Six, maybe. So early 90s. Like, they're probably thinking... Late, 80s. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Late 80s, even. 1986? Mid-80s. Um, Pretty sure. I feel like looking it up now. Yeah. Um, like, they might think it's forgotten. Do you know what I mean? For all they know. So they're probably yeah. thinking, play the newer stuff, because people are going to remember or know the newer stuff now. But, you know, obviously it leaves a few people... Feeling like they missed out. If I get this year right. Yeah, you're right. 1991. There you go. The year I was born. Stand corrected. Oh, 91. There you go. But yeah, look, I actually, I can't talk too much to the subject um, because choir boys, if you... Ever go to a Quiet Boys show, there will be no set list. Don't ask for one because there is none. It's just yep, off the fly. Feeling. We go up. Mark will generally tell us as we're walking to the stage, start with. Okay. That's the only song that we know that we're playing that night. Okay. And then because that's Mark does uh, as the front man of the band, um, he directs the whole show Yep. Um, and, and us generally. So... I think over time I've come to learn with depending on depending on his his monologue you can kind of get some idea of what song he's thinking and that's come with time but generally it would just be like he would either just shout it out or he'll just start playing it or he'll just look at you and not say anything. Okay. <laughs> and he's like I can play this song. I'm like okay. Yeah. Thanks for telling me. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, Choir Boys shows are very not up in the air, but that's the kind of vibe that they're going for. Okay. Like, and this this isn't scripted. 
mm-hmm. we're, we're here to fucking just rock out. No, I've, I kind of can, um, just with our conversation doing this, like, yeah. kind of just letting it flow. Yeah. We don't, we don't, we don't none of this is structured. Um, no, God no. But, um. Just can you move your head? I can't see the notes behind you. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Teleprompter. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, okay. So Mark, Mark's running it, which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and it probably gets, does it get you to, do you think that makes you play better? Do you think there's a method to the madness? I am very consciously aware and grateful for um, how much better I have become as a musician from playing with them. Okay. Um, because wow. it's, like I said, I've never, I've filled in with other bands. They'll send you a set list you know, four weeks in advance and say, these are the songs that we're going to play in this order. Mm. And if it's, a, if it's a band that has five or six albums, um, mm. I don't have to go through and learn every song. But I remember the first time I ever got called into a Choir Boys gig, I had 48 hours notice and I was thinking, oh, he'll send us that list. So you had to learn how many songs? I just learned every single one of their songs yep. as quickly as I could. Okay. And I can't read music. Okay. I am not a musical music person. Mm-hmm. So it's all done by ear. Self-taught. So yeah, self-taught, self-taught, um, yeah. trained by ear. Um, so I just learned their whole catalog. Okay. And even now, like to when I get called in for a gig because I believe in diligence and, and preparation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's me though. I always rehearse at home. Mm-hmm. Play through the whole catalog. Just in case, because I go, if it's one week where I say, I'm going to try and assume the set list, Mark will not call any of those songs, mm-hmm. except for, obviously, the hits. Mm. But so, you don't know when he's going to call those hits. I mean, obviously, no. you'd imagine you got probably Encore or Last Song would be one of mm-hmm. the three, four yep. big ones. That's how, that's, I've been to enough concerts to sort of get that Yeah, yeah. Um, without actually being in one, but... um. I actually, I want to touch on um, something that Mark Gable does away from music. Yeah, That's sure. all right. Um, how he's the ambassador for Beyond Blue, mm-hmm. um, which researching for when you were coming in, um, looked, and that that was like really cool, like to see someone doing that sort of stuff um, in the community. And Beyond Blue does a lot for, um, I guess, depression, anxiety, which is quite common. So... Um, just thought I'd give him a plug yeah, for awesome. that. Um, I don't need to plug his music because, you know. Um, oh, you'll hear it everywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, hearing it that from me is nothing. But um, hearing that he's out there in the community doing that great work, I just wanted to mention that um, before we went any further. But um, mm-hmm. so and that's interesting with the set lists and how that sort of works because and I'm only mentioning the Chili Peppers because it was only recent, like mm-hmm. two weeks ago. After every song, they had like a little huddle, like yep. a football team, like NFL team. It was like they got in the huddle by playing this, and then they turned around and started jamming on the next song. Okay. It was quite... Everyone picked up and were like, oh, did you notice that they stopped? Had like know. a moment. Like it was like a... It was something you'd expect the Chili Peppers to do. It okay. almost felt like... Um, like... Like, I don't know, like spiritual, felt spiritual. Like that's what the, the, I think they were going for. Like yeah, right. it was really, 
And that's where I think their set list was a little bit off because I think they were doing exact. They were feeding off the crowd. Right. I think. Okay. Um, but the overall theme I got was like, um, obviously their age, they're in their, some of them might be in their 60s, but how talented they were as musicians mm-hmm. and how all the bands, they all get better as they get, um, and it's kind of shameful because you look at a lot of bands that had massive success, mm-hmm. they broke up and didn't, for many reasons, yeah. to push forward. And you think, how good would they be now? Oh, 100%. You know? Yeah. Like even, um, you know, I know, so with um, like the band that's coming to mind is Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Like that original five yeah. stuck together, like how, and they're still brilliant, but like how magnificent they would be because they were kicking like They were ass. very special for yeah. the time, yeah. Mm. Yeah. But I'm supposed to... And they're it, one of my top three. Yeah. We'll get to your top three. So we've got Gunners. <laughs> Green Day. Green Day. And who's the third? Hmm. But who's number one? I don't think there is a number one, to be honest. No. All right, well, let's go there. Who's your third? Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So something old, something newish. Yep. And then something fucking completely oddball, which mm. even as as mainstream as Green Day are, um, Led Zeppelin were also, going way back to the start of the conversation, they were very prominent in that first round of downtime that I had. Okay. Did you do the Did you do the rock and roll mecca? No, I did. The song remains the same on DVD over and yeah. over and over and over. You know, you know what the rock and roll mecca is, isn't it? No. That was um when they got inducted into the Kennedy Center Hall of Fame. Jack Black did the opening monologue for them. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's funny. You got to Google it. Like watch him do it, and he says, um, "Led Zeppelin." Um, listening to all 12 Led Zeppelin records is the rock and roll mecca. Like he talks okay. about like you got to do one all the way through. I've definitely and, done that. Yeah. And he, said, and he goes on to say um, they wrote songs about making love, Vikings, and yep. Vikings making love. Pretty much. <laughs> and Gollum. It's so funny. From Lord of the Rings pops up somewhere along the way as well. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Led Zeppelin were huge. Mm. I liked all their stuff. Yeah. I've listened to all their albums. Yeah. Um I think probably this was recent. I'd I'd say three years ago. I've always liked Led Zeppelin. I've always known their songs, but mm-hmm. I really took like a deep dive into like listen to each album. One song after the other. They're all very I'm not sure if I did it in order. Yeah, okay. But it was more like just okay. To get a vibe. Oh, that's when they did that song. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was early. Yeah. So their first album, '69, which I think yep. that generally blows a lot of people's minds. Yep. Um, but then the second album was 1970, and the third album was 1970. Yep. They, unlike bands today, back then, like even the Rolling Stones, they were putting out Deep Purple. Three months, four months later, they were putting out an album. Mm. Um, Quite incredible, isn't it? Actually, yeah, because they, they used to record on the road. Yeah. Like if they were, you know, an English band, Led Zeppelin, touring America, as they would go from town to town, 
I'd stop in a recording studio, do the guitar track, and shit, got to play a show tonight, and drive to the next place, and in that place they'd do yeah. this part. And well, the interesting word you use there is English. English. The, the English bands. Yeah. They were much more um, probably embedded, not from personal experience, just from have a look at the bands mm. you just mentioned, Deep Purple, you know, Black um, Sabbath, Led Black Zeppelin, Sabbath, Led Zeppelin yeah. um, the, the Holy Trinity of yeah heavy metal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then you've got that stuff, punk rock. Yeah, you know um, that also came from. Well, there was an English and an American movement. So. Yeah. But the beginning is like Sex Pistols, things like that. They're yeah. all British, um, you know, Beatles, et cetera, et cetera, English, et cetera. Yeah. Rolling Stones, they're all English. Um, I think they had that, um, and not to say the Americans, but America's such a vast country with so many different styles of music, mm-hmm. whereas England was, we're doing this, yeah. you know, from those the areas, you know, um, from all over really. But um yeah, Ze- Zeppelin like the early songs like um, yeah, I think it's um, is it Heartbreaker? Heartbreaker, yeah, Led Zeppelin two. Yeah, like Hold that's just love. yeah, that's just that song specifically though. Mm. Like is um, just classic seventies rock. Pick up a guitar and oh yeah, that's and the riff you want. Smash. That's the riff you want yeah. to write. You yeah. Know. Um, but um, and then I suppose you um, all right. So Zeppelin, Guns N' Roses. So give me a song from each band that's your favourite. I don't think I could, honestly. How about I tell you the song by each band that I've most recently played on a guitar? Okay. I was playing, I don't know if you heard it, this afternoon. Couldn't hear it. No. Um, Bron... Oh, I can never say it. Bron R. Stomp. From Led Zeppelin 3, just okay. like a fucking mm. acoustic hoedown song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just playing that. I tuned the guitar to mm. Open G up mm. on the balcony. <laughs> I just started playing that. Um, Green Day, I was playing the other day, and it's not one of their known songs. It's a song called Maria, mm-hmm. which was they... They're not familiar with that one. You wouldn't know it because it's not on any album. Okay. But... You know how back in the day when bands used to release a greatest hits album, mm-hmm. they'd bring out a bonus new single? Maria was on International okay. Super Hits. Okay. And I love that. It's an amazing song. So I was playing yeah. that the other night at home. And Guns N' Roses, I was mucking around with Don't Dare Me, which is Use Your Illusion 1. Okay. Which is also the other day. Yep. So that's generally how I yep. keep up at home. Like I'll just whack on music because that's actually how I learned to play guitar. Mm-hmm. Just by ear. I learnt to play guitar by ear, but you probably remember this, Sony 3D Spinner. Mm-hmm. All that I had inside it was Appetite for Destruction when I was, this was post-operation now, so I'm well into guitar. I've got a Les Paul now, which is the weapon of choice still to this day. That's, um, that's better than your Strat? I'm not a Strat guy. Anymore. No, Strat was just my first guitar. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you are Les Paul. I'm a Les Paul dude, yeah. yeah. Well, um, Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. Slash, mm-hmm. Gunners. Anyway, I used to put on Appetite for Destruction with my Les Paul. Yeah. And the guitar wasn't plugged in, but I would just pretend that I could play. So yeah, eventually, right. I could fucking play. Yeah, right. 
That's interesting. So you weren't playing or learning chords or learning no, nothing. Guitar. You were just air guitar and hey. Yeah. I mean, I that's where my guitar playing stopped. Was air yeah. guitar. <laughs> I still I mean, do air guitar. I'm pretty good. Air guitar more so with like the the technical stuff, the soloing stuff. Because by that point, like I mean, I can do power chords, I can do chords, but I think it was just an exercise, really, unknowingly back then, but just training my ear. Going miles off. You're right. It's late, guys. Right. It's like one o three a.m. on a Sunday morning here. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So. So you knew you knew what you knew what he was doing or the sounds he was making, but you were just playing. Just tr really trying to play along, basically saying, yeah. "I really want to play like that." Now, as a result of that. My playing style is very, as as you've kind of said, when you watch Chris Cheney, people just know this guy spent a lot of time listening to Brian Setzer. Mm. A, a lot of, you know, musicians more so, but anybody else who kind of knows, if you were to come and watch me play guitar, like you're going to see a Les Paul, you're going to see a Marshall behind me, and you're going you're gonna to hear me play and go, Slash. Mm. And like I, I get that a fair bit, but mm -hmm. it's uh, just the way I learn as well. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned Slash because I knew that he was going to come up eventually. Like he, he was like I suppose like rock and roll, rock and roll like that. It it has its like um, it never really goes away. Never. It comes back and then, but Slash was that guy. Yes. That like. Okay, the Stones are getting older now. The Beatles are no more. All the bands before then, the Doors would Aerosmith had gone, faded to shit. Gone, yeah. You know, um, which Aerosmith out of all the American bands probably was at that time with the Zeppelins and all that was the only one that could really mm -hmm. was holding up against them, like in that rock and roll sense. Yeah. Like the Eagles were around and all that sort of stuff, but they weren't. Kind of had more of that. Not too Joel Welsh. Yeah. Join, they were more country. Exactly. Not country. But relaxed, withheld. Way back, sort of yeah. like tickets, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, peaceful, easy feeling and all that stuff. But um, Slash was the guy. He had the top hat, you know. He was, he was wild on stage, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. um, he was the guy that sort of was like, everyone wanted to be a guitar player again. Everyone wanted to be like Slash, and he influenced everybody. Legions, yeah. Everybody. Yeah. I don't, there's not one guy in the world right now playing in a rock band that hasn't gone, he's really good. I really look up to him. Yeah. Me, anyway, like, I don't play, but for me, it's like, that's who you want to be. He was what I'll, I kind of like to say, he was like Jimmy Page reincarnated. Because, you know, Led Zeppelin had died and with that, you know, that heavy, yep. hard rock had died and we started getting the disco shit and all of that. Rock and roll was starting to turn into hair metal, like that really kind of you know, Motley Crue, Poison. Crue's not bad. They're, they're not bad. They're fun to listen to, but... I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't go near the others, but... Yeah. Let's um, remain Slash came back, Guns N' Roses came back and it was just like... Here's rock and roll again. 
take it or leave it. And that's actually why mm. that particular picture in in the office is there. Mm. Because that was um that's a picture from their the night at the Ritz or that, that concert at the Ritz, which is when they first went live on MTV and which mm. kind of really shot them up. Mm. But um Guns and Roses to me are important um not morally, but that's what I'm thinking of. Um, so inspirationally, because, you know, they had a lot of these record labels chasing them saying, you got to wear makeup, you know, you got to be more like Poison. And they're like, fuck mm. you. Like, we just want to play rock and roll. Yeah, but you touched on one thing there. How you said Led Zeppelin and the Les Paul. Yeah. That guitar. See, that's what people that don't know about guitars or rock and roll, mm-hmm. that might be why they sounded very similar. Because they're playing the same instrument. Yeah, Marshalls and Les Paul. Guitar, yes, but the same setup. And yep. I'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, alluding, I'm alluding to something. But yeah, like, and you also touched on lo- um, Appetite for Destruction. Mm-hmm. It's probably not in my top three. Okay. But it fucking should be. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's that good where if someone gave you a list of albums, like one to ten, and they, they didn't have that in there, you'd be like, buddy, how can you not have that fucking album in that in yeah. your top ten? For rock and roll. I mean, your top ten would be hard across all genres, but mm-hmm. just that piece of history, like, they, that was such a good album. Yeah. You know, um, every song on it. Just rocks, yeah. Yeah, you'd probably say there's two that people don't like, three or four. Sometimes I'll skip, is it Think About You or yeah. something? But like, I'm just like oh, no. you look at that I'm album, it's like, okay, the diehards know it all. Yeah. The mediocre fan or the average fan knows this and the... Sweet Child of Mine, Paradise City, Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah. yeah. Some people know those three. Yeah. But fucking how good are those songs? How good? Bangers. Like, awesome songs. Yeah, but anyway, I just wanted to sort of explain to people how people that really love that music, um, the instrument, the guitar, like what type, and people don't understand that mm-hmm. unless you really, and I know all this because my brother plays. That's right. So yeah. we have a lot of conversations because he, that's what he's interested in. So mm-hmm. when I'm, we're together, we talk about, and I like my music, so I don't mind um having those conversations, but we, um, I, I listen to me personally, like, because, and I guess that's the deep dive into music. When I said I was doing keyboard and that, mm-hmm. you kind of start to listen. You, I think once you do, you start to appreciate all kinds of music. Um, so I've got like, even now I've got a playlist country list of just like, I've got fucking George Strait. On my, yeah, you know, he's he's the most, you know, dinky dyed country singer there is. But there's something about his music that I'm like, it's so good. Yeah. Like, how did he? That's he's just nailed it. Like, it's so like he's probably brilliant. Um, obviously he is, but mm-hmm. brilliant at arranging songs and that. And then earlier in that, you go back to like the blues. You know, um, I've been listening to Muddy Waters a lot lately. Muddy Waters. Manish Boy. Manish Boy, exactly. Fucking, that's the quintessential blues, blues rock yeah. and roll Love song. That song. Eh? 
Yeah, everyone knows it though. Like the, everyone knows that. Yeah. Just the groove, yeah. Everybody knows that because they've done it in so many different forms and so many yep. different... Um, and then another guy that I really like and I tried to get into his back catalogue a bit, but I'm not there yet. I'm sort of... was like Van Morrison. Okay. Um, just so many... He's got... Again, me, I'm a, I know his hits. Brown Eyed Girl, Brown -eyed girl you yeah. know, um, Moon Dance. Yeah. Um, and then, but then he's got one of the most epic rocks on Gloria. That's right. <laughs> so good. And Gloria is like that, um, was a song covered by The Doors. The covered, Doors? Yeah, they covered Gloria. It's because they used to open for Van Morrison. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, they do. I can hear their version in my head. Yeah, it's... it's just like my brain's refusing to let it be the doors. Mm. It's good. Interesting. And that was homage to him because they opened for him. Right. And um, he, that was... Gloria was his song. Um, oh, Van Morrison version's way better. Easy. So... Mm -hmm. But yeah, just... Just those three bands, and then we're talking about Gunners. Like, music is one of those things where you can't just be one or the other. Your influences must come from... Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's... But, yeah, so we've kind of touched on everything. But now I want to get... This is for the, again, we've done music fans, a little bit of what I like, what you like, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. This is going to be the hardcore guitar section <laughs> of the... Even though we've, all we've been talking about is rock and roll, which has been great. It's now 3.05 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so, as right now, how many guitars do you own? Ben, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know. Rough guess. 40-something. 40-something. Okay. That's I a stopped lot. counting them. Yep. Which I'm one? I'm very lucky. Yeah. I, I understand that and I'm very grateful, but yep. I just stopped counting them. Yep. And it's is an obsession. It, Remember that? Not yeah, passion. Obsession. obsession. But do you play them all? Fucking no. All of them. Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah, right. Constant rotations. So I live in the mountains, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's quite moist. <laughs> I say that because people don't like that word. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, it's fucking wet up in the mountains. So I like that word. They live in their cases in a dehumidified room. Mm -hmm. Um. But I have, so racks, I think you've seen some pictures, right? But I saw a picture, I think it might have been like the traveling case, where like it looked like it was like in a condenser sort of thing, like you opened it up and it looked like you had them all, is that, uh, is that the humidifier? No, the humidifier is just like a little machine, you machine put yeah, yeah. Um, but no, look, they're, they're just, they're all, it's a rack mm. and they're all just kind of lined well, the up. The photo I saw was with... Your little boy. Hendrix. Hendrix. Yeah. Great name. wonder where that name yeah. came from. Well, you know. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I will keep maybe four to five guitars out of the cases. But again, because of the humidity issues up there, I try and yep. keep them on a rotation. So after they've been out of the cases for a few days, I put them back in and take out another four or five. Okay. And then it's just up to me. Like if I get home from work, I'll look around 90% of my guitars are Les Pauls. Mm -hmm. Again, obsession. Mm. I just fucking love them. But I think 
you know, Les Paul, the three guitars I know. Yeah. Obviously, we talked about the Gretsch. Uh, yep, the Gretsch. The Gretsch or the White Falcons and all that. Mm-hmm. But like Strat, Teller. Telly. Telly. Telly Caster. Yeah. What did I say? Teller. Teller. Telly. Yeah. Telecaster. Yeah. Stratocaster, Telecaster. Um, and the Les Paul. Yeah. But Telecaster's, um, that's probably my favourite looking guitar. Yeah. I think it looks nice. They play a lot in country music. Yeah. Um, Stones play um, Keith Richards. Keith, but yep. he'd have 5,000 guitars. Like, he would, yeah. You know. Trying to catch up to him. But... Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, but Like, I rec- prominent when I saw them live, I remember that guitar. Yeah. The yellow. Yellow and black. Yeah. Macorba, he yeah. calls it. That's yeah. that's definitely something that's... um. So, you're a um, Les Paul... Les Paul. ...guy. What's your favourite guitar? Do you have a favourite? Like, one that's like, this one's... I would sell the rest for this one or is it just no i do yeah and it's actually one that hasn't been rotated for a while but i recently pulled it out again last year okay and it just clicked so i'm Mm. just like i refer my guitars are numbered but they're not numbered they used to be numbered one through two i think i got as far as three but then i started giving them stupid still numbers but stupid numbers like you know, if I bought a 1991 Les Paul because it was a year I was born, so that's number 91. Doesn't mean I have 91 Les Paul, so. Right, so my second Les Paul um, was just a USA factory standard. It, I call it number two. Number two is my favorite guitar. Mm-hmm. I will be buried with that guitar. And it's number two because it's your number two. It's the second Les Paul I had, so that numbering is relevant, but I just call it number two. But if I take two guitars out on the road, they automatically become number one, number two. Okay. So it can get confusing, but number two is just. And it's what fa- is it? It's a Les Paul. Yep. Gibson, just a standard yep. um, USA factory line. Color. Like a tobacco burst, I would say. Faded tobacco burst. Okay. But the reason I love it is it's really fucking spanky. It's just out of all my Les Pauls, Les Pauls can be quite dense because they're so thick, mm. um, like very low mid-rangey, but this one just has yep. a sparkle to it. Yep. And like and I said, I pulled it out last year for a few shows. It came with me. I took it up to Queensland. And I took it out to um, central New South Wales, and I've just kind of kept it out ever since. And yeah, I was like, that's oh, the guitar I was playing the other night as well. Yeah, right. Just it's just basic Les Paul. You haven't done anything to it to give it that sound, have you? Most of my Les Pauls, I changed the pickups in them. Okay. To Seymour Duncan's. Okay. Um, so I just rip out the stock ones, put those ones in. Okay. Um, so it does have those pickups, but otherwise, it's just. Yep. I think I've had it for so long. It was even though it's number two, it was my number one guitar in my band back in the day. She Wonderlands. So I did. We did our first album with that guitar. Um, it did most of the gigs. And I, it's just it's attached to me. Hmm. Okay. Because that's another thing a lot of people don't understand about guitars is that like real guitar people Obsessed. change them. Obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. Like basically they 
all they're left with is just the bare bones, and mm-hmm. then they put the pickups and yeah. rearrange um, everything different, or they tune them different. Like that's right, mm. and that's where you listen to one band, and then you listen to like a Metallica. They change their pickups and everything to be more vicious and more. That's right. So different yeah. pickups will. Um, mm. More technical terms give you more output or give you less output, and that generally means either a more distorted sound or a less distorted sound. So with the pickups I put in, I'm actually putting in lower output pickups, which is the opposite of what most guitar players actually do because mm-hmm. I, and I said this at the very start of the conversation, I like to play very loud. Mm-hmm. Um, I play Marshall amps, but I like to get my drive from the amp and the speaker, not the pickups. So a lot of guitar players will do the opposite thing and they want overdrive from the pickup. So if you put a higher output pickup in a guitar, it's just like turning the gain up on this, it'll start to distort, Mm. right? Um, Same with the guitar. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I think... I think... um... A lot of people, yeah, would have learnt something there, um, because it is, yeah, I've only learnt this now, like over time. Like I wouldn't have known that when I was younger. Um, yeah. That that's what they're doing to, um, but um, so we've got your favourite guitar. It's a Les Paul. It's called Number Two. You've mentioned Zeppelin, but then you've got. Um, you know, Zeppelin to Gunners and um, Slash. Pop Punk. Pop Punk. Yeah. yeah, that's your Green Day. I prefer Green Day. Yeah. I think that's a better, that's a good choice um, out of um, that era. Yeah. Um, and they stood the test of time, so. Yeah. Oh, they were. Like you can't kill them now either. Mm. Um, Blink-182's comeback will be interesting. <laughs> Are they doing another tour? Oh, haven't you heard? No. Tickets are like $1,000. Oh, really? Oh, what? Stupid. In Australia? Yeah. Everywhere, yeah. 1000 bucks. Not that much, but a lot of money. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Someone was telling me the other day, like, Bruce Springsteen tickets can go for like four grand. Yeah, I believe it. Four grand. So I went and saw Social Distortion last week. It cost yeah. me 80 bucks. And I saw Bad Religion as well. Yeah. It's how much a gig should cost. Yeah. I just, yeah, for me, that's like going to a music show is is the work, not the working man, it's everybody's mm-hmm. supposed to enjoy it. $4,000, $5,000 a ticket. Not everyone can is now enjoying it. That's Do you right. know what I'm saying? Good luck to him if he's getting that kind of money. I'm sure he is because he's brewing. Like um, Bruce Springsteen's, stood the test of time mm-hmm. he's an institution in America not so much here but definitely yep. in America um, whether that's true or not I just think you know um, I heard I just want to change pace because I heard an interview the other day with um, Quentin Tarantino okay and he said someone put the question to him like why don't people go to the cinema he goes because when I was a kid the cinema was the cheapest form of entertainment right because opera, all that sort of stuff, um, before Hollywood was 
not everyone could enjoy it mm-hmm. or a stage show or a play. It was for the middle to high class people. So making a movie in a studio where they could put it on a screen, and it was brilliant the way he explained it because he's got a, some book out now. I think that it's a must read, I think. Right. For me. Um, and um, he said, but tickets now have priced families out. You can't take a whole family now to go see a movie mm-hmm. at the cinema, even though it's changed with Netflix and all that. But that's that's now become the every man's entertainment is what you can watch, what you can stream at home. Mm-hmm. Whereas going to the movies, and that's where I'm like, oh, like music's supposed to be enjoyed by everybody. And like an art gallery. Yeah. Everybody can go to an art gallery in Sydney and see if, I'm not saying I do. Yeah. I'm saying that I it, it was a, a very interesting um, thing that he sort of discussed because they asked him, like, why aren't people going to the movies? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just because all the movie stars are now doing TV. He said, because they've priced everyone out. You can't go to take your whole family to the movies anymore. Concessions and all, it cost you a fortune. Yeah. Not everyone not I'm talking popcorn. about. Yeah. <laughs> well, it used to be. Some families can go. I'm not saying everyone. I'm just saying yeah. that every family now can't go. Whereas only it's kind of become, yeah. So I don't agree with tickets that expensive. I think we've touched on a lot of our musical tastes and music that we like. Um, a lot of it was similar. Um, you know, um, Muddy Waters, we both yeah. picked that song um, pretty much at the same moment. Um, just because it's such a quintessential sound mm-hmm. and that attitude of FU kind of attitude of rock and roll sort of come from him. And then we talked about, you know, we could go Beatles, Stones, Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, you know, um, Deep Purple, et cetera, et cetera, all that sort of led on from there. Um, and all those bands sort of, Definitely the Stones had influence from Muddy Waters. As we know, if you've watched any documentary with any of those guys, they'll tell you that the blues was, that American blues was what sort of inspired them musically. And then obviously from their massive success, everyone wanted to be a guitar player. Everyone wanted to um, sort of, you know, emulate those guys. Mm-hmm. Um so I think you can see, and then like types of guitars, it flows through players. Um, we talked about the Strats from Jimi Hendrix, who influenced everyone after him, mm-hmm. um, and people still today. Um, and then we talked about the different types of guitars and how you can see through the age, ages of rock and roll music and stuff like that, where they emulate that guitar, gives them that sound. Um, you know, I think we mentioned a couple, you know, Jimmy Page, Slash. Yeah. Um, Brian Setzer and Chris Cheney. Chris Cheney. Um, you know, we kind of went through all that, how everyone sort of um, gets their influences from there. Um, now, I appreciate you coming and sharing your story about the... Um, Skiffy. Skiffy, <laughs> which is the... Yeah. Slipped capital femoral, mm. femoral, femoral, epiphysis, mm-hmm. Ep- epiphysis, mm. 
epiphysis. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but thank you for sharing that. And um, obviously, that the downtime and not and losing um, some of the things that you enjoyed doing, you sort of found this obsession with music, guitar especially. Um, mm-hmm. I think that um, the, the I guess the main yes we talked a lot back and forward, but I think the main gist of this is for people like yourself, like me, um, me doing the podcast, um, finding passions that you never thought you would do or mm-hmm. have, um, and also young kids or parents that their child or them themselves might be going through some a life-changing event mm-hmm. health-wise, um, whether it be them or their children, that um, what the silver lining, which you touched on, um, I know it's a common phrase, but yeah. in the context of what we've been talking about, um, it's true. There is a silver lining to the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, and then hopefully people get inspired by hearing that. Um, and you have a prominent career too. Like you've got a job as well. That's right. Um, which we actually do the same job. Yeah. Um, I don't think we touched on that at all. Mm, There's no need to either. I probably went to sleep. <laughs> Would have been a nerd off. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's funny you number all your guitars. <laughs> I was going to say something about that. I was going to like, oh, it's because you're an accountant. That's why you number them. It could be. Mercury gives them names. Yeah. Like silly names. Like I think there's a Marley in there somewhere mm. and whatever she feels like naming them. But Or Dolce because that one's sweet. And I'm like, okay. That one is just. That's mad. That's number nine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's number 11, whatever. That's number nine. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that you think one thing's important to you mm-hmm. until it's not. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, to me, like, yeah, I had interest, but, um, you, you're fine. I think it's just, you can go two ways. One, you can give up. Poor me. Or mm-hmm. you can go out there and try and better yourself and do something. And you've done that. Um, excel. like. But I guess that if you remember one of my earlier podcasts, like you found out about this young. Yeah. So there's no better or worse. Like I found out when I was much older. Mm-hmm. But the end result's the same. Yeah. We've both found something that we're passionate about and yep. we enjoy. And, um, you know, obviously I've got, like, I sell T-shirts and hats and building a clothing brand that we give money to charity. Um, these are all things that I was passionate about. Well, they were there mm-hmm. in, somewhere. And then something forces you to, like, well, I have can't do any of these things mm-hmm. and then something just i've always liked this you know um and yeah in the beginning it's just a thought it's just a dream just an idea it's just an idea and that's that's where it starts and then all of a sudden you're like oh my god i'm doing it that's it you know um but i think that was i probably rambled on a bit but basically that 
you had something bad um, that altered the course of your life and you've used it to find something that you're passionate about, like obsessed about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess for the parents and the kids, they've it, it's not over. That's right. You know, it's just a fork stuck in the road. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know, like, um, but yeah, but I knew, and actually to, to be here now is quite, um, it's a thrill for me because like you're the first person, I'd say probably not the first, but someone that from the podcast has come forward All right. and opened up to me uh-huh. about something that I don't imagine you'd just say, hey, new friend. Yeah. Check but, out my leg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, I don't yeah. think you're going to, but. No, very rarely. I remember you and your wife stopped me in the street that day and the guest I just had walked past. That's right. We went down at the chemist. Um, yeah, Nixon. Nixon, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I was like, speak of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> he appears. Um, but uh, no, I love Never seen him since. No. <laughs> I have. He's all right. He's a good bloke, Nixon. I like him. Um, and sort of like, for me, it was like, and you're not the only one that's come forward and shared things with me that mm. like... I remember that kid at Elton Chong's that day. Yeah. Remember the young bloke? Cancer yeah. and all C- that? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, how bizarre. Like he, just, he just let it out. Yeah. Because once I told him what it was for, and then he mm. was like, oh, hey, I, and then it just, and then like, we sort of, and, and I didn't, it, at first I was like, oh, I'm not going to ask him to come on my podcast. But then I was like, it would be a mad guess because he's got a good story and he's, and then obviously um, we just clicked with music. Yeah. Just talking about, um, and we both gave each other bunny thorny for Christmas. <laughs> it was a very gift. Yeah, he's just sitting under the stairs waiting for this Christmas. <laughs> Have you seen that skit? No. The, you one? know, uh, Sushi Mango? Yes, I know those guys. Yeah, they do the Panettone Christmas special. I haven't seen it. I'll have to find and it. And then it's like, um, it's like, every Christmas, it's like, hey, Same shit. Yeah. Panettone! And then they... <laughs> turn it over and it's got all the crosses on it and he's like because ah. you marked it it's funny you gotta watch it. you'll get it do you know I, I know we always joke about this but I fuck, I crack them open I eat them because I yeah. love it I think it's the best yeah I'm not a I'm not a a lot of people aren't fans I'm not a fan because it's dry and, and gross no. but I'm not a fan apparently I've got no taste some people do they have it with custard um, no I, just dry shit out of the bag for me yeah. no I'm not <laughs> Well, almond biscuits and the biscottis. Oh, yeah. I like that stuff. Um, but, yeah, but we could have a conversation about Italian. That's another two-hour podcast. Longer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, mate, well, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I think that, um, yeah, I'm, it's very late. It is very late. <laughs> I'm getting a bit tired, but I must say. i a bit of a drive. Mm, but I must um, say, um, no, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Me too, and, mate. Um, we should do it again because we only touched this much of music. Scratch There's so the much more. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, 
queue it up. You should post this one as part one. Then we have to do part two. Who did you first? Part one. <laughs> it is part one now. You said it. So anyway, thanks a lot. Um, and, Thank you, mate. Um, I'll let you know when we're going to post it. And, Beautiful. Um, so, um, yeah. Well, um, thanks, everyone. Um, that's all we've got time for today. So um, we'll see you next time. Cheers. We are fine.